So today, apparently, we really begin summer worship. It's a scorcher. It's also the first Sunday with our pickup choir, which is a very loose way to say that anyone and everyone is welcome to come at 9 a.m., learn an anthem, practice some hymns, and help to lead worship. Youth and adults are welcome. And we give thanks for all those who give of their time and talent to sing and play music to the glory of God in our worship all year round and those who join in over the summer. Thank you. Trinity is blessed. We are so blessed to have a wonderful music program. We can be both grateful and proud of the musical offerings our choirs and musicians and all of the volunteers make to God and to the community. So don't be scared. Give it a try. You don't even have to get dressed up. So as far as we know, singing and music in worship go back to the earliest of times. The book of Psalms, which means songs, contains 150 psalms, poetry which was certainly set to music. However, none of the music or the instrumentation survives. We have the words, but we do not know how the music would have sounded. It's also likely that different types of psalms were used in different settings. Not necessarily all of them were for worship in the temple. We have the perfect example this morning. Today's Psalm 130 is one of the songs of ascent. Scholars believe that a section of the Psalter, Numbers 120 through 134, were songs that people would sing as they made their way to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. Perhaps they are a sort of ancient version of car ride songs, like Row, Row, Row Your Boat, or She'll Be Coming Round the Mountain. They were songs to pass the time to keep the family and the group together by singing together. And in the case of the Psalms, They were a preparation of heart and mind for the pilgrims approaching Jerusalem. So Psalm 130 is a penitential psalm, reflecting an awareness of human sin and, and most importantly, of God's forgiving grace. Now we just sang it, but let's say it again together. Pull it out. of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to know what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you, therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, hear my voice. 
Almost all of us, I'm sure, know a time when we have cried out to God from a deep place of pain or grief or loss. In today's story from 2 Samuel, David cries out in mournful lamentation over the death of his dear friend, Jonathan. In the Gospel reading, the temple leader Jairus cries out to Jesus on behalf of his little daughter, who is ill. Yesterday, thousands and thousands of people across our country took to the streets lamenting the policies which have separated thousands of children from their parents. In our parish family, people are grieving the loss of loved ones, and some who are not here with us today are sitting vigil by the bedside of the dying. People crying out, crying out to God in many different ways. Early hearers of this psalm would have associated that word depths with water. The chaos, the chaos that existed before God ordered the world in creation, separating the water from the land and from the dome of the sky. This cry to God is not only for an individual situation, but is a cry to God out of the chaos, disorder, pain, and sin of our human condition. It started really early, right? Remember the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis? When the pain and the sin of the human condition is on full display in the first couple of pages. Adam and Eve disobey God. Eating fruit from the tree, God has told them not to eat. Adam blames Eve, and the whole messy saga begins. But the point to remember in that is that God is in relationship with those first humans. He's strolling in the garden in the evening breeze when he calls out to them, Where are you? Where are you? This is no distant God but a creator who is in relationship with, enjoying and loving what he has created. The humans stumble, as humans do, and there are consequences, but God does not abandon them. Later in the text, we are told that he clothes them before he sends them out of the Garden of Eden. The words of the psalmist reflect this quality of mercy. We hear, if you, O Lord, were to note what is done amiss, who could stand? One translation of this is, if you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? God knows what we do, knows when we turn away from him, but does not count the transgressions, for God loves us and wants us to repent to turn back to him for forgiveness and healing. The psalm continues, as it turns out, forgiveness is your habit, and that's why you're worshipped and feared. I think habit is too soft a word. I would say, God, forgiveness is your nature, your being. You are forgiveness. The psalmist says, it's not just me, O Lord, but all of us who need your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. 
This is a powerful and timeless prayer for each of us as individuals and for all of us as humanity. The good news is that the God to whom we pray and who we worship is a God who listens, a God who responds, a God who forgives. The psalmist is confident that listening, responding, and forgiving are the very nature of God. But as we know, it's not always on our schedule. The psalmist also talks about the more difficult part, the waiting. For we often find ourselves waiting for an answer, waiting for something to change. She says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Have you ever stayed up all night? Watching for the first sliver of dawn? Night is very long when you are waiting. In today's modern world, we do not have quite the same awareness of the dangers of the night. Electric lights, heat, air conditioning, enough food for most of us, all the comforts of modern life shield us from literal long, dark, cold nights. But not from metaphorical ones. A night of despair, a night of loneliness can be very long when we're waiting for a glimmer of light, when we're anticipating news or a phone call or a diagnosis, waiting for a long-missed visitor or an answer to prayer. The psalmist, however, is eager with anticipation and faith, encouraging all of us to trust that the dawn will come, to watch and to wait for the light. Hope in the Lord, she says, for with the Lord there is mercy. The Hebrew word actually in the psalm is the Hebrew word hesed. With the Lord there is hesed. This is one of the most important words in the scriptures and one of the most powerful descriptions of God. Because hesed includes the idea of mercy, but it goes way beyond that. Hesed is God's faithfulness, God's steadfast love for Israel and for all creation for all time. So in these few verses of poetry in Psalm 130, we have a prayer, we have hope, and we have assurance of God's hesed and forgiveness and redemption. This is the entire story of our faith in a few lines. I wanted to spend the time today going through the psalm with you so that you might have it in a new way for yourself. Perhaps it will be a part of your prayer life this week or this summer. Or maybe it will inspire you to look more closely at all the psalms, finding the ones that sing particularly to you. At lunch on Friday with some friends, with some clergy friends, we were talking about preaching, and someone said, 
it's so important that people have a takeaway from the sermon. So, my friends, here's the gift. Not from your preacher. Not from your preacher at all. But from a fellow prayer long, long, long ago who announces good news about the one God who is present, who hears, who hears us, who forgives us, and who loves us with a steadfast love, now and always. May we believe it.